Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Giuliano, SCA's Chief Research Officer, and you're listening to an episode of the RICO Podcast, a series of the SCA Podcast. The RICO Podcast is dedicated to new thinking, discussion, and leadership in specialty coffee, featuring talks, discussions, and interviews from RICO Symposium, the SCA's premier event dedicated to amplifying the voices of those who are driving specialty coffee forward. Check out the show notes for links to our YouTube channel, where you can find videos of these talks. This episode of the RICO Podcast is supported by Toddy. For over 50 years, Toddy brand cold brew systems have delighted baristas, food critics, and regular folks alike. By extracting all the natural and delicious flavors of coffee and tea, Toddy cold brew systems turn your favorite coffee beans and tea leaves into fresh cold brewed concentrates that are ready to serve and enjoy. Learn more about Toddy at toddycafe.com. Toddy, cold brewed, simply better. Rico Symposium and the Specialty Coffee Expo are coming to Portland in April 2020. Don't miss the forthcoming early bird ticket release. Find us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter to keep up to date with all of our announcements. Today, we're very happy to present the third episode of The Role of Innovation and Technical Advancement, a session recorded at RICO Symposium this past April. This session explored and evaluated advances in innovation positioned to make an impact within our industry as we work to resolve the coffee price crisis. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes of this series, we strongly recommend going back to listen before you continue with this episode. Global coffee platform members and country platform stakeholders have united in new ways to tackle the economic viability of coffee farming at scale. Innovative collaborations, including national coffee sustainability curricula, the Country Platform Global Congress, and Global Coffee Platform member initiatives are bringing sustainability champions together in pre-competitive partnerships to amplify investments and achieve more resilient, productive, and profitable coffee farming communities. Now, we all rely upon profitable coffee farming to support our thriving global industry. Here, Carlos Brando and Veronica Herlina show how Global Coffee Platform members are pioneering a neutral, pre-competitive organization where both private and public sustainability stakeholders actively create a common roadmap and actionable agendas to move our shared, critical sustainability strategies forward faster. Also, to help you follow along in this podcast, I'll chime in occasionally to help you visualize what you can't see. Thank you. Hey, good morning, coffee friends. I know this is a panel about technology and uh, innovation. And for technology and innovation to work in a producing country, we need a minimum of uh, infrastructure for it to be effectively used. And this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the work of the Global Coffee Platform to implement or develop the infrastructure that exists or implement, if it doesn't exist, in producing countries so that the projects that many of you developed in these countries can be more efficient, more effective, and bring more results. The Global Coffee Platform is actually today active in nine countries in alphabetical order, Brazil, Colombia, Honduras, Indonesia, Kenya, Peru, Tanzania, Uganda, and Vietnam. 
But this work can be extended to other countries, and for this reason, we have a memorandum of understanding with the International Coffee Organization. So what I'm going to be telling you about here is not restricted and can be used in any country. And what the platform believes is that we have to have a local action for global results if we want to increase the viability of sustainable coffee with added value for growers. And this, of course, in a time of low prices we're living right now, we have to think of the economic viability of coffee farming together. And I'm going to use a few stories to carry you through this infrastructure building. And my first story is the large coffee grower in country X that has an average productivity of 30 bags per hectare and it's fully sustainable. However, he or she is surrounded by many small growers whose average productivity is five bags per hectare and they're not sustainable at all, especially economically. Why does that happen? Because their country lacks a fully developed enabling environment. Maybe some of the environment is there, sometimes none of the environment is there. Do you know that in some coffee producing countries, the grower only gets 25% of the FOB export price, 50%. And the average for the world is about 65%. Whereas countries that have this enabling environment, in these countries, the producer gets 85 to 90%. What is this enabling environment? It's extension services that train the growers. Farmer organization that brings them together to defend their own interests. Financing for inputs, for equipment, for harvesting. Smart legislation that does not have taxes that take the money from the farmer to be invested elsewhere. Efficient markets for fertilizers, for inputs, and an efficient supply chain and logistics. This is one of the things that the global coffee platform brings about in the countries where it operates. In some countries, it's trying to perfect it. In other countries, it has to start from scratch. But it's this training, this organization, this logistics has to be brought about. And the question you might think at the beginning, this is the government jobs and we don't care. It's not as easy as that. And I think there is, we think, we believe at the platform that there is a role for the private sector to play. And how does it play it? With the creation of national sustainability platforms. What's a national sustainability platform? Who participates? Who integrates the platforms? Starting with growers' representatives and their associations. Representatives of the trade representatives of industry, retail, and very, very important, government 
and civil society because there can be the main players. But the incentives have to be there for them to operate. So when you bring this all together, you create a national sustainability platform. And you may say, well, many countries already have platforms. But sometimes the platforms are too busy with other things, like financing growers or this or that, and there is no time to look at sustainability itself. That's why we add one more item here. Carlos has added the word intangible to his slide alongside tangible. And I know and I say there is this intangible thing there because these things are sometimes very difficult to justify that they have to be paid for because there are no clear KPIs uh, results. So we have uh, to make them do with uh, collaboration from government, developing ownership and investment too. And this brings me to my second story. Many of you have uh, projects in producing countries, and these projects can really profit from what you're talking about. Let's think of the $5 million project that is supposed to help uh, 3,000 growers in country Y. It lasts two years, and the productivity, which used to be five, now is 22. And they were not sustainable before, but they are sustainable now. It so happens that after the KPIs, the K performance indicators are measured at the end of year two, and that time goes by, you go there in year four. And the productivity that had gone up to 22 bags per hectare has gone back to seven. And they're no longer sustainable. What happened? It could not the results could not be incorporated, not even by those farmers themselves, let alone the rest of the country. Because the country did not develop a sustainability lingo. There was not a language. Sustainability was not incorporated. It didn't have ownership by the extension services that exist, by the agronomist, by state itself. That's why the Global Coffee Platform has been creating in these countries what's called National Sustainability Curricula that bring together extensionists, agronomists, not only from government, but from the trade, from roasting companies, and includes the certification schemes like Rainforest Alliance for Seafair Trade, and together they create a national sustainability curricula that's local to the country. It has ownership, also because you cannot expect a public extension service to use a foreign standard. This has to be a local lingo that will be the basis for the grower to go into certification afterwards. But this national sustainability curricula is something that the country can use because it was created within the country. And this also allows you to measure sustainability. On the one hand, it allows you to use the local resources that are there. You have the extension services, the agronomists start to talk a sustainability language that they did not talk before. So you start using local resources, like the extension service in coffee in Brazil spends $70 million per year. We can use that money if we have the proper lingo, the sustainability curricula. But the sustainability curricula also allows us 
to measure sustainability. Brazil and Vietnam are using a cellular cell phone app to do that, but you can do it by other means. And this allows one to identify sustainability gaps. And if you identify the gaps, you know where you have to invest to have continuous improvement and eventually to create sustainable regions. Because this whole idea of sustainability is changing from a world of certification to something that we're maybe thinking not of the grower himself or herself anymore, but of the region. And once you measure, you identify sustainability gaps, you can have a pre-competitive, multi-stakeholder member initiatives that attack those gaps. And this is the case, for example, of this member initiative on responsible use of agrochemicals in Brazil. Carlos has a picture of eight men and women on stage lifting their hands in celebration. You see in this picture, from right to left, three important roasters, Nestle, JDE, and Keurig. You see traders, Olam and Econ. And very important, Syngenta is there, an agrochemical camp company. We have to bring them along to be responsible as well. And the Federation of Brazilian Coffee Exporters. They're all working together in a member initiative. That is to address sustainability gaps collectively, and everybody is sharing the bill. And this forces members, participants, to recognize members' co-responsibility. Everybody is responsible from seed to cup. And this is not a one-shot deal. This will bring long-term results because it's incorporated by the National Sustainability Platform and uses the National Coffee Sustainability Curricula. And also, the money for this is coming very often not only from the participating companies, but also from donors in the country itself and abroad. And this all together brings me to my third story. Sometimes we are doing in our producing countries projects that are not really the most important high-hanging fruit because this is what the money coming from abroad is available for. Sometimes there are funds to do X, but what the country mostly needs is Y. And what this system we're talking about allows you is to define the sustainability gaps locally. And if you do that locally, you can then go after the donors in the country or outside the country. And then you really focus on main priorities for each and every country, for each and every region. Well, you might be asking, this looks all very nice, and who pays the bill? Well, the bill of the platform is basically the backbone. The structure that makes it work is paid by member contributions. So we're always looking up to grow membership and to engage more members because that's the way we can expand our activities. Of course, the backbone is paid by members. The membership initiatives are paid by the ones who participate, and we count a lot on donor money for the projects. And this donor money can come from abroad or can come from the countries themselves. Well, have explained 
all this to you that seems very theoretical. We're going to move now into what I call the more practical part. And to close this, I want to say to you how hard it is to finance what is intangible. And that's the basics of it. Sometimes there is a lot of money for the tangible part that's easy to measure. But the tangible part often does not work if you do not have the infrastructure that is the intangible. And to show to you how this is working, I'm going to have two testimonials, one minute only, one from Dr. Emmanuel, which is the chair of the Uganda Coffee Development Authority and the Coffee Platform, and Dr. Kimemia, who is the chair of the Kenya Coffee Platform. In fact, Dr. Emmanuel is here if you want to stand, Emmanuel. But for the sake of time, he is going, we're going to use the testimony instead of having him to speak. Can I please have uh, the, the Uganda testimony, Dr. Emmanuel's? Uh, we have come up with the costings of investing in, uh, in the four categories of coffee production from traditional system to an improved system, to a commercial system, but also a recommended system. This will consider all the types of uh, production systems in Uganda, in both Arabica and Robusta, in all parts of the country. These results are very useful to the public and private sector because it is helping to guide a focused investment. We have come up with templates which have all the costings for different production systems and is helping more investors to come in coffee. As a government, we, we feel this is a way of working with the uh, private sector, uh, but having in mind uh, a commercial and business-oriented approach. And these templates are available both in Uganda, any Ugandan who wants to upload them, uh, everybody who wants to, to do coffee, we just uh, have the, show them the link and they can easily uh, come up with such a kind of investments. Speaking now is Dr. Joseph K. Kimemia, chair of the Kenya Coffee Platform. Platform has been recently reformed, aims at uh, assisting our farmers to grow their coffee. And uh, one area that we are focusing on was to have uh, an, uh, an agreed uh, training curriculum that we are calling the National uh, Coffee Sustainability Curriculum to ensure that the farmers can get the same message. Secondly, because agriculture is devolved, we are focusing on training of trainers at the county level to ensure that uh, these uh, trainers will go out and train the farmers on uh, GAP. Also, we are training the wet mill managers to ensure that uh, whatever the farmers produce the good coffee, then they can be processed well. And finally, the dialogue between all the stakeholders gives confidence, gives a peace, gives a hope for the farmers. And I think this is the most important ingredient in as far as coffee sustainability is concerned, that harmony in the coffee production. We're now moving from two examples in Africa, very brief, to another example, we're now moving to Southeast Asia. And I'm going to show a one minute testimonial from Vietnam, and after that, we're going to devote the second slot to a presentation of how the platform works with the curriculum and etc. in Vietnam. Can I have the third video? 
Speaking now is Nguyen Do Atuan, Vice Chair of the Vietnamese Coffee Coordination Board. One of the very important achievements of TCB Vietnam is the development of the National Sustainable Coffee Curriculum. And then when we develop it, we try to apply it, we need to, to, to measure the result. And with the pilot with 8,000 growers in the next step, we will have a lot for the, the government to prioritize the investment resources like we have another program working with the World Bank for the loan to, to support our farmer to, uh, to apply sustainable practice. And it's also the opportunity that we can introduce our farmer to the buyer to see how sustainable our coffee is. And very importantly, the next step, we will upscale you know, some kind of, of measurement for all the five provinces in the, uh, the coffee area of Vietnam. And another important step is that we work together with the government to develop what we call uh, the, the law of crop production. And very important article there is the application of zero geographical indication for, for the crop in Vietnam. I now would like to call Veronica to present to you the work of SCOPI, which is the sustainable global platform, the coffee global, the global coffee platform platform in Vietnam. I'm sorry, in Indonesia. I'm getting mixed up. There you go. Thank you, Carlos. Good afternoon, America. Because in Indonesia, it's about 11 hours ahead from here. So, uh, first, I want to ask how many of you have ever been to Indonesia? Wow, that's a lot. Wow, I'm surprised. Um, but let's go for the journey. Indonesia is very large and diverse. I don't know which part of you that visit our provinces, our location of coffee in Indonesia, but I don't know if maybe you also know that Indonesia have about 17,500 islands. We have also 1,300 races and tribes, and even we have 2,500 languages. So you can imagine when we have to enter the location, that's why we have to understand the culture, the local languages to understand more. I've been to about 14 provinces out of 15 provinces of the major coffee production in Indonesia. I know of you, Maybe Sumatra, right? But have you ever been to Aceh, to Jambi, to Papua as well? So that is quite spread of the location. The challenges, it's uh, the location is quite distant. The languages and infrastructure and even the phone signal. So this is sometimes we have to stop our work as a city people when I have to go to the location. We are very lucky to have 
support from stakeholders such as the Global Coffee Platform, Rainforest Alliance, Ford Foundation, Ricolto, New Zealand Embassy, and a lot more others. But of course, big support from our members and the governments of Indonesia. After 325 years of cultivating coffee, the stakeholders gathered and launched this national curriculum. And easy way we call it NSG. This is like the Bible for the master trainers to train the farmers. Same language from Aceh to Papua, so that they have no difficulties to translate each by each onto their language. But of course, we still need a translator from the local translator to translate because sometimes they don't understand about um, what it is because right now we only made this book in Indonesian language as a national language. And sorry, maybe if you don't speak Indonesia, maybe you don't really understand what this is in, inside it. This national curriculum it's also the launch is only the first step, but the next big step that we have to do is actually the rolling out for this to the farmers, to monitor them and to ensure, to make sure the impact for this. Now, this is the national curriculum that actually we're rolling out to the master trainers. And this is actually the master trainer national meeting that we host every year. There are 190 from all over 15 provinces with different background, different languages. But here, they speak about national curriculum the language that everyone knows about this. The next part is they have to talk about what is the plan, what is the program, what is the follow-up after they have to return to the region because this is that we really want to see about the farmers getting the rollout from them. This is more challenge that we also have to build the, um, the development for monitoring evaluation system. Besides of the serious program, serious talk in the classes, we also provide them on the other activities, like funny things like dancing, like they can show off about what they have from the region with different style of dancing or something like that. So, not only this, but we also give them a chance. We give them reward, give them a word for the people, the muscle trainers that actually achieve what they did in the field 
that we can value them. So we have um, some kind of uh, category, like the best performance of MT, the best or the most farmers train, and the best of administration, reporting, and etc. Last uh, two, two months ago, we have the pilot monitoring project in two locations. One in Robusta area and the other one is in Arabica. And the result is the farmers really, really happy to get intensively trained by the master trainers. And this is a positive thing to make them to practice it, the result from the training to practice into their field. We don't want to lose them. We need them. We need the master trainers to intensively rolling out the training to the farmers. We don't want them to stop to do this noble work. As you may know, we have Arabica and Robusta traded globally and produce most in the world. But aside from that, Indonesia is actually have coffee in uh, grow in peatlands type of Liberica and Excelsa. Yeah, this is a bit something different. Right now, we don't really have the national curriculum for this location for Liberica and Excelsa. So maybe next, on the next part, we will develop on this national curriculum as well. Veronica has a photo of coffee trees growing in a flat tropical landscape. It's captured coffee on the peatlands? Peatlands, and right now we have a lot of activities that actually we also uh, bring up to plant the coffee in the peatlands. This is also help on the climate mitigation. Veronica is showing a photo of herself sat down amongst indigenous Indonesians wearing colorful headwear. This is me in the middle of the man behind the coffee trees that maybe you also enjoy the coffee right now or in your home. Um, after we have a lot of work, work hard on the training, on the sunburn, on arguing and everything like we can celebrate right now with the peace. Yeah. So that's, that's one experience that really, really I can forgetable for this. I used to work among men, but I really love work with in the middle of these women farmers. Veronica has a photo of herself in the middle of mostly elderly female coffee producers in a mountainous coffee field. Especially with their age. They have really, really high energy and inspirational. Gender and also age, the youth 
is also become one of challenges in Indonesia because a lot of farmers is quite senior. I don't want to say old. <laughs> yeah. So this is also another challenge for us, but we, we try, we keep developing to make more real activities to make the gender and youth happen in Indonesia program as well. We don't want to have the kids of the farmers that don't really want to take care of the coffee trees, the coffee land from their family anymore. Most of the farmers, they don't know what to do with the farm. So sometimes we have to teach them how to take care of your land, how to take care of the farms. Include, we teach them how to make para-para. We call it para-para, but it, like uh, the drying system for, for their coffee. Veronica is showing a photo captioned, let's make a simple solar dryer, and shows a group of men constructing a dryer out of bamboo. But this is... Conventional, we, we try to make this efficient and effective so they don't really make a reason I cannot do this and cannot do that because I have to buy this, I have to buy that, provide this and provide that. So sometimes we use what they have in the farm, like the wood, the bamboo. So we, we teach them how to make their... their um, things what, what you have in your farm, use it. And a lot of farmers also don't know how and why they have to pick red cherries. So we, we teach them about just pick the red cherries. A lot of uh, reason why, why they have to picking all the, the cherries from the trees they have. First, sometimes they, they said, I don't have people to do that, to picking one by one, looking for the red. And then that is easier way, fast, very fast to do that, rather than have to pick one by one on the rectory and then so on. And sometimes the price is not worth it. And we have to also translate about the green grading to the farmers, what it is. Because sometimes they don't understand about what is green grading. What is the damage been? They don't really understand. So we have to translate them about this kind of beans is a reject. So you can separate them. Yeah, bulletproof. I've been there. Veronica has a photo of herself walking in a line through a field and everybody is wearing bulletproof helmets and vests. So sometimes the coffee you drink, the coffee you're enjoying, is not easy to get. I have to facing one time that I have to use bulletproof and fast, bulletproof fast and helmets and also using the bulletproof cars yeah, to go to the location. And this is more challenge for us. The government roles is very important for us to rolling out this. So through MOU, we can have agreement with the governments to do planning 
on the program, what next, what is to achieve, the target, and so on. So this, we have to understand each other as well, to do also collaboration. Veronica is showing a picture of a meeting in a large conference room. The words, collaboration is the way, is written on top, and local action for global results is written below. There is a saying, you cannot sweep using one stick, but when you put together, it will become a broom. So this is, stakeholders realize that you, you cannot work by yourself. So you have to work together, collaboration, to make the bigger input, bigger impact, and bigger receiver. Who is that? Our member, our supporter, the governments, and maybe next will be you. To ensure that we have the same page, we have the theory of change, so we know which part we that we have to do, which part we have to deliver, what is the target, when is we have to achieve, and so on. Is it not easy to have only one theory of change because we have to gather with all the stakeholders that maybe they have different interests? And I have a lot of experience when I go to the field, meet the farmers, give them training, they ask me, is there any coffee for, uh, sorry, is there any market for my coffee? But when I go to meet the roster, meet the traders, they will also ask me and say, I'm really hard to get supply for coffee. So I'm thinking about this is there's a gap for that. So we develop one event, we call it Pasar Coffee or Coffee Market. We call it Pasar Coffee by Scopy. So we have um, every year to do this Pasar Coffee and the buyers really, really likes this idea. Really likes the idea because they can meet the farmers directly. They know a new variety. They know, they know about the story behind the coffee that they want to buy. So this is really, really excitement event in Indonesia as well. We did it two times last year in Jakarta Coffee Week and also in the Trade Expo Indonesia. So I think this is buyer and seller meet and the coffee sold. Thank you. To conclude, if uh, perhaps you felt after my presentation that this is so much theory, do we need that? You saw in a concrete way how difficult is to do things in producing countries. And the, the platform is really trying to pave the way, not only for what the platform does, but what other people are trying to do in terms of facilitating what can be done. Uh, my last word here is really when you try to go into a producing country with a project, uh, 
be aware of uh, the difficulties to implement. And since you're spending your money in that, you want whatever you do to have uh, durable results beyond your time. It doesn't help to build a school if the government is not ready to supply the teachers, or to build a clinic if there are no doctors and nurses to run it. Uh, sometimes we think we can live without government, without infrastructure, without institutions in producing countries. Well, I just leave you a final message here. If you look at the countries that are more successful in the coffee business, it's because they have more of this enabling environment and the structures in place. And if we want to develop the other countries, because we want diversity in the coffee supply, we really have to pay attention to national platforms. This Bible, as she said, this lingo, as I say, the coffee sustainability curriculum and the enabling environment. This is the challenge for you. Thank you very much. That was Carlos Brando and Veronica Herlina at Rico Symposium this past April. Remember to check out our show notes to find a link to the YouTube video of this talk, a full episode transcript, and a link to speaker bios on the Rico website. Rico Symposium and the Specialty Coffee Expo are coming to Portland in April 2020. Don't miss the forthcoming early bird ticket release. Find us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter to keep up to date with all of our announcements. This has been an episode of the Rico Podcast brought to you by members of the Specialty Coffee Association and supported by Toddy. Toddy.